This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the fanalist, and Subby. This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast, hosted by Roscoe, the fanalist, and Bean. We're back with another one. Seems like it's the same game we just talked about. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, tweeted out the uh, a gift from um, Back to the Future. We're like, what do you mean you've seen this one before? It's brand new. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, alas, this was a brand new game and a brand new win and a brand new comeback. So uh, got the gang here to talk about it. What did you guys think? Oh, I'm just so glad that the 3-1 narrative was in reverse. And in the Detroit game and the other game, the Leafs were able to come back and show that they're still in it to win it. So uh, if I didn't have nails before, I definitely don't have any now. <laughs> it was such a crazy game. But oh. man. Yeah, you can't write this team off for a change, which is nice to see. It's a, a positive swing. What about you, Bean? It's it's really nice. It's almost like they saw what was happening against them on that road trip where they kept blowing the 3-1 leads and said, hey, we see the media saying that this is garbage and we can't be a contender, so why don't we show them that we can do it too? Hell yeah. It was uh, Of course, uh, I got to give a shout out, as always, to the former Leafs on the team. We got Jimmy VC and uh, Andreas Janssen representing. Uh, of course, as always, one of them has to score, uh, but we'll we'll get to that. So first period uh, did not look great. 47 seconds in, uh, Pavel Zaka, who I'm pretty sure they called Pavel Datsuk at one point. <laughs> the they also called uh, Sandine Sundin multiple times tonight. I, I caught that one, too. That was funny. Uh, so Zaka scores 47 seconds in. Leafs just looking rough out of the gate again. First five minutes still. They, they can't get that under control. Uh, a couple turnovers, couldn't control the neutral zone, couldn't even get it out of their end. Uh, didn't get their first shot till almost six full minutes in. Um, I mean, obviously, we have a lot of positives to talk about for the rest of the game. But how do we turn around this this first five minute slump that they seem to be in? Like, it's one thing to come back from these these deficits, but they were scoring the first goals every game, and now they're giving up the first goal every game. Yeah, it kind yeah, of. Um... Go ahead, Bean. No, go ahead, Steph. I was just going <laughs> well, to uh... Welcome to a Canadian podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> sorry, yes. sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, can we get the Babcock impersonation? We got to start on time. Um... <laughs> well, you know, the boys just got to start on time. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know really what to, to pin it on. Um. Yet again, as much as it's very, very disappointing to see it happen, and there's a lot to work on, at least we're showing resilience in that the fact that we're able to come back, we're able to have a short memory, throw it behind us, right? And just battle back, next goal, one at a time, one at a time, keep going, boys, and battle back. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is a lot to ask to play a perfect 60 minutes, you know, every game, all 82, but... uh yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, a couple people had a rough start. Like Lilligren, I noticed, was not playing amazing at the beginning. Had a turnover right in front of Jack that almost cost them a goal. Um, also gave up that one um, that turned into, I think it was Janssen's goal, uh, where he uh, coughed it up at the blue line and um, even tried to hold whoever it was that got away from him there to uh, to bring him down. Got the, Drew the penalty and uh, Janssen scored on the delayed call there, so... 
I think he had a bit of a rough game. It's his first one in a while. I think he's played really well this year, but yeah, he he yeah. has. My he's the uh, yeah. He last game. I obviously I was really impressed with him last game. Um, but he's he's had a, a run here. I guess probably with the the knowledge of knowing he's not going to be pulled out. Right, he doesn't have to worry. Okay, if I do one little mistake, am I going to be pulled and have to sit for a couple games? With the- yeah, I mean, Justin Hall did it for a lot of games, and he didn't get pulled. So <laughs> you, you can just kind of compare it to that. It's like, no, I've still got a couple more death saves. I think he's got some pictures on Keith that Keith doesn't want anybody to see that keeps him in the lineup. But <laughs> <laughs> must be something like that, eh? But after that Zaka goal, Keith was juggling the lines immediately. I mean, the second shift for the first line, he switched Kashe out with or Marner out with Kashe, and he's been doing it all night here and there. But I was actually surprised to see it that early, and then the next goal happened, and I was like. Mm. <laughs> What is going on here? But happy to see yeah, the response. It's funny that he said, "Yeah, it, it, me too." It's sorry, just to interrupt you there, but it, it was um, it was weird to see him say like, "This is my ideal lineup," and then like five minutes into the game, he's completely <laughs> abandoned it. Yeah, like he moved Engvall up with uh, with Tavares and Nylander, and then like you said, uh, splitting Kasha up there. But yeah, it, sorry, you can go on. At, I just wanted to throw that in. At, at the same time, though. It's it's very, very nice seeing someone who's not afraid to do that. Yeah. Because how many times in the past have we seen, like Babcock, for instance, they're losing, just refuse to put the big boys together. Because that's yeah. not his lineup, right? Like, get, at least Keith's willing to say, okay, you know what? I screwed up tonight. Work. This isn't it tonight. We got we to gotta change it. I guess I was just more surprised to see it on their second shift. It's like they had a 30 second chance and he was like, oh, you're out. But obviously nope. they went back to it and uh, collected their thoughts. And uh, Matthews, of course, uh, getting his 26th of the year, which started off the night well for the Leafs. But man, the the, the Devils look so fast tonight. Like it's like they couldn't keep up. The Leafs couldn't keep up with them in the first period whatsoever. Yeah, so like you said, um, Matthews was able to answer Bogquist's goal there, but uh, then, like I said earlier, Janssen scores on the delayed penalty on Lilligren. Mango three one again, the the dreaded three one, and then Campbell gets pulled, which completely demolishes my week for fantasy. I'm so sad. It should be a double uh, week. It might be okay. Yeah, yeah, it is a double week, but it's just because there's not that many games like. Uh, for all my Campbell fantasy owners, uh, you're welcome for the 19.64 goals against average <laughs> and the 667 save percentage. That's it's going to be awesome to try to come back from with Darcy Kemper and Pavel Franzus. Yeah, that yeah. was actually me oh. wearing Campbell's jersey in net. That's why that goal GAA was so bad. <laughs> I don't think Campbell was playing that bad. Like, no. honestly, I think it was more that he was just obviously shake it up after those three and you don't want it to just continue downhill from there, whether they're his fault or not. But uh, I don't know. It's sad to see because you know that he's going to take that personally and we're going to hear about it in his next. Uh, I didn't get to watch the post game because we jumped right into this, but uh, I'm sure he was saying how, you know, he's got to be better and he's putting it all on himself. And I just never like to see that with him. Yeah. Three goals Absolutely. on nine shots. Never a good deal. I mean, people forget that he's 40, 11, and six with the Leafs thus far. And it's going to happen, of course. And he did lift, let soft ones in. And Keith made the timeout call and reamed the team again for the second game in a row. And 
it seemed like that was the turning point. But, you know, I feel for Campbell. He's a softie at heart. So am I. And it's one of those things where the ratio of five to one, it takes like five compliments to overcome an insult, for example. So we need to remember those high points from Campbell and move forward because, you know, I hate to see that negativity on Twitter, especially when Leafs are down and it's 10 minutes in and they're already talking about trading Campbell, trading this guy, that guy. I'm like, settle down, guys. It's okay. We're going to be okay. Yeah, the comments on his uh, his Yahoo fantasy thing there were getting brutal. People were like, oh, it was a fun ride, boys. Get, drop them now or time for the trade. It's like, oh, God. Like, yeah. just, it, just you're not watching the game. If there was Twitter and this kind of social media back then, do you think people would have been talking about this, like talking like this about Patrick Wall or Broder? Because, yes, okay, they're legends. I'm Probably. not putting Campbell in that same stratosphere yet, but they had bad games. Everybody has bad games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they all would have gotten lit up for it. And, oh, my God, Patrick Wall would have been amazing. He would be clapping back, like, right after the game, like Brad Marchand. I'll, I'll never replying. forget. He'd be searching his own name up and replying to everybody. <laughs> never forget the the comments against Jeremy Roenick. I can't hear what Jeremy was saying because I have my two Stanley Cup rings plugging my ears. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Man. Forgive but... my horrible French accent. <laughs> No worries. I'm glad. Uh, this is why we signed Morazic, though. He he was signed to come into these moments, play those back-to-back games, and to pull up the socks when the Leafs are just shit in the bed. So it was nice to see Morazic hold down the fort tonight. And moving forward, uh, the Leafs kind of got the caught the hint too. And yeah, yeah, Morazic made some good saves uh, all around. I think he played a really good game. And like you said, that's what they brought him in for. It's insurance for Jack Campbell for these exact moments. So, hey, can't knock the decision. And uh, man, so the battle on second him. Second period. Sorry? The battle on him. Like, Oh, yeah. He, he had to have grown up watching his fellow countryman, Hasek. Like, <laughs> Morazic doesn't give up on a play. He no. It doesn't matter if he misplayed the initial shot or if he's way out of position he just he goes and he doesn't stop and yeah, i love that <laughs> whether he's... you see him stumble or he's yes. like off balance yeah. he still makes it no matter what like he's sprawling out on the other side of the net but still manages to like tuck his leg the other way like he's he knows what he's doing exactly what definitely some hashik in him yeah, on his stomach, on the opposite side of the arena. Like, it doesn't matter. This guy's flipping, turning. I mean, he's kind of like Flurry in a sense where he's doing cartwheels. But I appreciate yeah. him. He's old school. Yeah. All right, so second period. Um, my biggest note for this uh, bolded is just uh, a couple penalties because uh, that was kind of the, the drama this period. Uh, we saw our first power plays on both sides. And also... Uh, bastion scoring unfortunately mm-hmm. boo yeah the the one thing about morazic though is that the rebounds sometimes he gives up some horrible rebounds which leads to those goals and those chances and that's one thing in my personal opinion he has to work on but schmade <laughs> though this rookie goalie in net for the new jersey devils uh Hasn't had an NHL win yet. He's played three games and has horrible numbers in the NHL. But 
man, I was hoping for <laughs> yep. the Leafs to just pepper him because the Devils are league worst in the second period with a minus 22. So I was just hoping they'd come out full force and just send every shot on net. Well, I mean, they still let him up for five. <laughs> his his numbers, by the way, he's got a 4.9 goals against average uh, and an 824 save percentage. Mm. Holy shit. 844 <laughs> tonight. <laughs> yeah. Not now, like the- he's act. Oh, sorry, Steph. No, go ahead, please. Sorry to the 1% that picked him up for tonight's game. <laughs> right, thinking thinking he was going to goalie the Leafs. Yeah, um, I mean, hey, it's a fair bet, honestly. Now, yeah. if I remember correctly, I'm just trying to pull up the hockey DB here. He He's actually been doing fairly well um, in the A. He's 902 in the A. Yeah, 9-0-2 yeah, with a 1.54 goals against average. What? Yeah. yeah. Man. We have to remember, though, the Devils are having some really bad goalie luck this year. Uh, Bernier and Blackwood are both on IR. Uh, this goalie is their sixth tendy they've used so far this year. So <laughs> they've really been scraping from the bottom of the barrel. And yeah. With the numbers in the A like that, you expect a little better than yeah. a four or basically a five goals against average. Right. <laughs> so, um, Second, who, who, sorry, I, I actually don't even have it written down. Who got the second one for the Leafs? Was that the Mikheyev goal? The, no. the second goal for the Leafs? It was yeah. Matthews again. It was uh, Matthews again. Yes, on a three on two. Right, rush. Matthews had two. What am I talking about? Yes, Matthews enters the Matthews. zone. Yeah, so, uh, passes it to Marner, cross to Riley, perfect tip in front. I thought Riley got the goal uh, when I first saw the play, and then that replay was just the little tip to fool the goalie and right in. Yeah. It's hard to tell from the broadcast, but as soon as they said like, Oh, and Matthews with the tip, I was like, wait, what? I got to see this. <laughs> yeah, That was good. Um, but, uh, and JT thought he almost had one there in the second. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Wait, yeah. When he um, cut in and did that, I thought to myself, I'm like, man, he like Schmidt's awfully, awfully deep in his neck. Deep. So deep. I thought the same. I'm like, are they not going to review this? And then some, they were, it would take a while for them to decide if they were going to. Yeah. And then when they skated to center, I was like, oh, is there a penalty? Oh, no, you're actually going to review it. Cool. <laughs> and four seconds later, in the time it took me to send a tweet about it being reviewed, uh, they said no goal. <laughs> yeah, landed right in his glove. I don't know. They called that pretty easily. Yeah. Well, well once you saw the one the one um, view from the side when they slowed it right down, See, initially, I thought it kind of hit his shoulder and rode down his arm, in which case it might have been in if it caught the inside of his elbow. Yeah. But it it really it hit his chest, and then he had his glove underneath it to catch it, right? So. Lucky bounce. Yeah, and right after that, uh, we got to see Severson take a penalty. Uh, someone who's been on the Leafs' list of watching uh, potential trade bait in the future, so... But Johnny, you were saying you're not a big fan anymore. Oh, I mean, I was kind of joking about that. But yeah, just he was kind of spotlighted tonight with Dougie Hamilton out. So um, he was getting a lot more minutes. Uh, he had that bad penalty and also kind of gave up uh, a turnover there that resulted in the was the tying goal or the goal that put the Leafs ahead there. But um, yeah, I don't know. He wasn't he didn't look awesome tonight. 
he did look good offensively, but defensively, which is the things that we're interested in right now, he was not great on. So mm-hmm. I don't know. First time I've kind of watched him intently with this in mind. Uh, I did add him to my fantasy team for tonight, but really good fantasy pickup. Wah, wah. He's been quarterbacking that power play he for is. months now, or at least a month now, and I have him in several teams. So good pickup. Yeah. Unfortunately, minus one on the night um, with two blocks and one shot on goal only. So kind of blah. Mm. But they got another game tomorrow night against the Leafs again. And uh, maybe he'll get traded to the Leafs and he'll be uh, a little more useful. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. Uh, So some offsetting penalties end the period off. Um, Steph, any notes on that? Yeah, I guess the good part about that penalty is that the Leafs were able to make it a four on four and then a power play heading into the third. So they were able to take a breather. Okay, I don't know. And the locker room say, okay, guys, this is what we have to do. And they came out hot. I mean, they didn't score on the power play, but Toronto got a penalty right after, which was the Spezza hook, but it only led to great things afterwards because Spezza came rushing out of that penalty box right in position for an excellent feed by Mikheyev to put that puck right in the net so hell yeah so that uh, obviously is the beginning of the third period so the fo- the dreaded 4-2 as uh, my dad always says next goal wins and uh, Leafs got the next goal made it 4-3 it's uh, always a good sign how about Cobra on so, the, sorry, Johnny, the, the speed no, to go. prevent the icing before the Spezza goal? Yes. Oh, he's so fast, man. Gets in there, prevents the icing, carries it around the net right out to Spezza. Spezza scores the goal to make up for that penalty because you can tell he was not happy with that penalty. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah, Father Spezza was like, this abuse is not going to happen on my children. I'm going to fix this mess yep. right now and come out of this penalty box because I'm never in it to begin with. And yeah, makes it 4-3. Little old man anger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man. Quick side but note. But he was due. Uh, I know that they don't call. No, he was due. And I kind of, I said that before the game, like Spezza's, he's due for one. He's been hot lately, but like, you know, not been able to put one in, so. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for my, my old vintage man. Um, but quick side note, uh, I know they don't blow this down anymore, but 26 seconds to hold the puck against the boards Ugh. is so friggin' long. Yeah. Like, we got to do something about that. When you can hear the ref call, move your skate white, move your skate white multiple times, I think you need to blow it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, okay, a little bit of a battle, sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm surprised they were just waiting. It was like, obviously the Devils wanted to hold it up, but I was expecting a Leaf to just come in there and body check everyone down and be like, okay, give me that shit right now. But, yeah. You're telling me that's not delay of game, but accidentally flipping the puck over the boards is? Like, Mm -hmm. come on. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of Spezza, guess without looking at your sheets, guys, I just want to ask you, how long do you think he was on the ice tonight, time on ice tonight, even though he did great things? Uh, I don't know, 10, 16. Okay. I'd say under 10. Mm-hmm. It seemed like longer than usual because he was paired up on a different line at the end of the period and... 
had the time on the power play, but what's your guess being? Oh, I was saying under 10, um, 942. 747. Probably one of the lowest he's had in a long time. Yeah, I'm shocked. That's why I have to bring it up. Yeah. 100% on the dot tonight. The fourth line looked really good. Yeah, 747, man. (laughs) I'm I'm shocked, but he's effective, so... Especially with how well they played recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess when you're trying to fight back uh, from behind the whole time, you just try to give the top guys as much time on ice as possible. And, you know, I, I get bumping Engvall up, but, I mean, it would make sense in my mind to play Spezza a lot, but I guess he just chose not to use him in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, so Vintage <laughs> makes it 4-3. to three. Um, and then Marner with his sixth straight game with a goal ties it up career best and all the Marner haters are being silenced this week. Yes. Happy to see it. This guy clearly has his confidence back and this is what the team needs. He is a fresh face on the ice, off the ice. He lifts everyone's spirits in the locker room. So I'm so happy to see him connect and get a couple in whether it's here there on the power play man this streak i'm applause for mitch marner (laughs) hell yeah yeah and i love to see it as much as we don't need him to score goals when he is burying like this it makes everything even that much more dangerous because a goalie who typically would expect him to pass to try to defer to matthews or tavares or nylander is now like ah crap he's probably going to shoot it right now. Mm-hmm. So it, it just opens up the ice for everybody, right? It's it's a, a big plus. Of course. And uh, speaking of deciding whether to uh, shoot or pass it, Alex Kerfoot with an absolutely beautiful holding till the very, very last second feeds it over to McKay of shorthanded to put the leaves ahead. Oh man, if that building was full, it would have erupted. Yeah, that was beautiful. We talk about patience so much and Marner making that extra pass or whoever, right? But this was absolutely perfect. Uh, all the Kerfoot haters can shut up right about now. And whoever wanted to use him as trade bait or put him on the chopping block, I mean, this guy, he's quality and the ultimate utility, utility player, in my opinion. So keep keep all day put that harvard brain to good use (laughs) (laughs) yeah broke broke up the play in the defensive end i'm definitely on team keeping kerfoot um so just when we thought things were going to be a little different than last time maybe uh it goes exactly the same way and uh the leafs on a power play have an empty net exactly the same way as last time and matthews (laughs) I don't know if he was trying to pass this, but he scores this from, as I tweeted, Port Hope. Like, <laughs> this was their own circle, just throws it down. And uh, I was like, oh, no, that you missed the pa- Oh, shit, it went in. Yes. Yeah, put put, oh, put it in the empty net with authority. Yeah. So uh, congrats to everybody who voted, the 67% of you on Twitter that voted for the third period where uh, Matthews was going to top off the hat trick. He did it. My fantasy team loves you for absolutely filling my stat sheet tonight. <laughs> yeah, five shots. Him and Mikheyev, man. 
Mm. I thought he had more shots, actually. Mikheyev with six. Ooh, yes. Wow. But fifth career hat trick, uh, 400th point, point as a Leaf. That's the fastest to 400 points in Leaf history. So congrats to Austin second. Matthews. Or second, sorry. Thank you, Sorry. Ben. This is, well, <laughs> this man is breaking records left, right, and center. I mean, almost every episode we talk about a new record that Matthews can break if he does X, Y, Z. So what a time to be a Leaf Absolutely. Fan. Yeah, four-point night for uh, Mr. Matthews from Arizona. Uh, I mean, we got to give him the first star, but unless anybody wants to be uh, any different than that, let's... uh... I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Okay. Who gets it? Go ahead, Steph. If we're not going with the obvious Austin Matthews and his four point night, um, I'm just impressed by Kerfoot's play. Uh, Kerfoot has two points tonight, one shorthanded point. Um, I'm a advocate for Alexander Kerfoot, so I'm going to give it to him. Good pick, good pick, Bean. I'm I'm going to have to go with uh, Mr. Mrazic. Nice coming in cold like that when your team is playing not near to the standard that they need to be playing, they just hung your number one out to dry mm-hmm. and battling through everything. Like, and it, it, it's almost like the Grant Fuhr theory. You don't need to save everything, but you need to save the last one, right? Like you need to save it when it counts. And there was a couple different times in the last handful of games that he's played where he's had two or three shots right like multi- just right away right in the same same scoring play basically mm-hmm. and they're not pretty a lot of times when he's saving it but he stops them and it's such a huge boost it's basically what Campbell was doing for us at the beginning of the year and yeah. for Mrazek to come in when the team is down and be able to do that I'd definitely say him tonight nice hey good one as well I'm going to go with, uh, I mean, 1A, 1B, 1A being Matthews, of course, but 1B, I got to give it to Mitch. Uh, Like we were saying, his confidence is just way up there. It's a huge shift in how he's been playing. Uh, It's something unexpected. It just adds a whole other level of threat to this uh, offense line that we've seen. Mm -hmm. So, hey, when everybody's scoring, it's a good thing. No, who's in the net tomorrow? Campbell's going to start. Yeah, I kind of think he has to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope so um, for one of my fantasy a... teams too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs to have some redemption for all of you that have, that were able to get him in your drafts. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Bean, you were saying? Oh, I was just going to say a little devil's advocate here. Um, shout out to Jack Hughes. I haven't, he played really well. Yeah, huh? I haven't seen him a lot this year. Like I watched a couple games early in the season and then he got hurt and he didn't play for the longest time. Man, he had a game and a half. Him and Mercer, it seemed like everything they touched was just a threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was really good tonight. Had a couple chances where I was like, "Oh shit, he's going to score here." They're just but fast. No, sorry, bud. They're so yeah, fast. They are. Even well, when, insanely fast. When yeah. all the teams around the New York area get first or second or third overall draft picks every year for the last five years. Yeah. Shit gets scary, except for the Islanders. <laughs> I think the most impressive for but me. But Lamorello is so much better than Dubas. 
Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but Jesper Bratt, this guy was a rookie only a couple yes. of years ago, and he's leading the team in points, uh, which nobody really saw coming, especially when you have two number one draft picks on your team. And a guy like, I know Dougie Hamilton's not playing tonight, but you have P.K. Subban and Thomas Tatar and, you know, some veteran players. So this team, I know it's not so good for them right now, but they have the pieces. It's there and... In a couple of years, they'll definitely be dangerous, kind of like D- the Detroit Red Wings. Oh yeah, for sure. They're kind of at that cusp point. Like same with the the Sens. If they if they're able to develop this properly and add a couple pieces around, then they're all there's going to be a lot of really dangerous teams in the East. Yeah. Brat was a sixth We're round definitely pick. Seeing the shift. Mm. Are you kidding? Sixth there round pick wow. in the Matthews draft. Wow. Wow. Damn. But now, uh, real quick before we, oh, sorry, go. Oh, just because, hey, now they have us studied, so I'm really interested to see what comes tomorrow night because obviously the back to back against the same team, so that's going to be a treat to watch. Yeah, it's like last year with COVID rules. Love <laughs> it. So, uh, question from Mike at MTC underscore eighty: Can the Leafs just start every game down to nothing? <laughs> Uh, can we take a second to appreciate that disgusting play by Kerfoot to set up Mikheyev for the shorthand go-ahead goal? Unbelievable. Yeah, like we said, that was amazing. He waited till the absolute last moment uh, to pass that one off and Mikheyev with a beautiful finish. But yeah, this whole thing about the Leafs are able to come back from behind but not actually start a game properly. I don't know if I enjoy it. I don't think it's something that you can rely on every game. <laughs> but hey... If that's how you want to play right now, fine. Let the other teams think they're ahead at the beginning and then just dominate the next 50 minutes. I, I wonder if it's like something to do with the opponents, right? Maybe kind of taking them for granted the last two games because you have Detroit, you have New Jersey. They're not having great seasons. Yeah. They're lower in the standing. So you come into it like, ah, that's these guys. And then on the other hand of it, the Red Wings and the Devils, are coming out like, well, hell, the Leafs are one of the better teams in the league. We need to go, 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 and kind of catching them off guard, right? Totally. Everyone brings their best games against the Leafs because no matter what, every roster has a guy from the area or a former former Leaf or some sort of connection. So, yeah, whether the Leafs like it or not, they're going to have to bring their A game every single time. And... It's going to show. And I was actually a little offended that they put that rookie goalie in net too. <laughs> it kind of tells you like they think. Eh. They read up on the Leafs. Yeah. So, but hey, of course he didn't get his win, but we'll see tomorrow who's in net. Maybe Gillies. Uh, we'll see how far mm-hmm. the string they'll pull. <laughs> if, if he can remember what jersey to wear. He's been on like nine different teams in the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, on that Kerfoot goal, they slowed it down on the broadcast as he was coming into the zone and you see him kind of look up to try to figure out when he was going to pass it over to Mikheyev. And all I could think about was that Galifianakis meme with all the math equations floating around in front of his face. (laughs) Yes. That was all I could think about. Okay, well, how long do I have to wait and what angle do I have to pass it at? So calculated. Perfect timing. Sitting on my couch by myself, like giggling to myself about it. <laughs> Down to the perfect frame, just like Johnny said on Twitter. But 
man, Kerfoot, Mike is right. Uh, Kerfoot is the ultimate utility player. And I know people whined and cried about his contract, but like I said, definitely a keep. And the 3.5 to me is definitely worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have the the insurance there, like I said before, but I don't know. Uh, one more thing I got to get to before we go to break here. Sorry, I just had to look something up here on my phone. So Sarah at uh, Sarah underscore Wash, shout out for jumping on the episode while I was off, um, sent me this clip from the PHF, which is the Premier Hockey Federation. Uh, it's formerly the Women's Hockey League. It's one of the two women's hockey leagues in Canada now. It's a very long story if you would like to read up on it. I don't have time to explain that whole thing now. Um, But they had their all-star weekend. um, And in their shootout, the one team's goalie, I'm trying to get the names, but it's really hard to find anything on this game. Uh, Number 97, it looks like. I'm trying to get the name. But uh, so they go into a shootout and team Dempsey, it looks like, uh, goes up to shoot and their goalie, takes her helmet off, throws on a baseball cap and aviators, grabs a stick from one of their forwards and hops in the shootout and scores. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's dope. Apparently, cl- speaking of goalies, sorry, Steph. Um, did anybody see the post that apparently Manon Rayom is going to be a net for a shot again or a shot from Trevor Zegers at the All-Star game? Yes. Who's this? Manon Rayom, the first female to ever play in an NHL game. Preseason oh, game nice. still. Yeah, she's going to be there taking a shot from Zegers. That's cool. Celebrity. Is he going to shoot it like normal person? Or is he going to do some some Michigan shit? Michigan. <laughs> still, what a lame name for a goal. Oh, I know. Sorry to the state of Michigan. You, you can't even call it the player who originally scored it, though, because wasn't his last name like Leg or something? Like, you can't call it the Leg. <laughs> The leg. That's like that's like some awful hockey dance move. Uh, okay, so with that, we should go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to play higher or lower, but with trade offers. So I'm going to make some trade offers to me and Steph here. And uh, they're going to say if they think the actual offer would be higher or lower if they were to take it. So uh, all that when we come back. All right, we're back. So we're going to play higher or lower, the trade edition. So I'm going to ask you guys to pretend to be a certain team for a hot minute, and uh, I will offer you a trade as another team, and you'll tell me... uh, I'm going to try to go for ones that might happen or rumored to happen, and you'll say uh, if the offer I've made as the other team, uh, you think the real one will be higher or lower. Okay, make sense? Yep. Okay. So first up, you are the Colorado Avalanche, who have a uh, projected cap space of $73,000, a whole 73 smackaroonies. So you are looking for a new forward. And uh, just so happens that the Vancouver Canucks are looking to trade JT Miller. Problem is he makes $5.25 million. So how are you going to do that? You're going to send the other way. 
a little help to uh, the struggling Vancouver Canucks in the form of Andre Burakowski, who makes four point nine million mm-hmm. and is signed for the next just this year. So UFA at the end of the year, they're not able to re-sign him. JT Miller is signed for another two years. Uh, I know the numbers don't quite make it, but it's about a hundred grand off. So there's some you can make some uh, some things work there. But do you think that the actual uh, do you think that's a realistic thing? First of all, uh, that uh, they'd be going after JT Miller. I think so. I think the abs maybe. Would... Mm. Sorry, go ahead, Seth. Yeah, I think it would be in their best interest to go after a guy like him, but. I think Burakovsky is way too low. Uh, Miller wants to get paid this offseason, and he's definitely going to want over seven, over eight even. So a guy well, like... But that's Burakovsky- what I'm saying, though, is Miller's signed until the end of next year. Mm. So he's not uh, he's not a free agent at the end of this year, whereas Burakovsky is. And Colorado will not be able to re-sign him because he's going to want more than 4.9. Yeah. And they have no space. And they also have Kadri up at the end of this year, and they won't be able to re-sign Kadri and Valerie Nichushkin. Like they've got a lot of, they've got those three plus Kemper and Franzu's all up at the end of this year. They got to clear some space. So maybe it's you trade, you up Pavel Franzu's, you trade Darcy Kemper, and you grab Darcy Kemper and Burkowski for J.T. Miller and. Mm. Halak. Mm. Going in with Franzos and Halak for for playoffs. That's. I'm sorry. Is Darcy Kemper working for them? Valid point. He's got more experience. Hey, look at what Flowers doing, man. I I don't count <laughs> Halak out ever. There's so many yeah. rumors swirling with with Colorado. Um, I personally would say that deal doesn't get done. Um, I would think that they would look at Burakovsky as almost an untouchable, kind of keeping him as as one of their own own rentals. Right, their forward group is pretty solid. Um, not that they don't want to add there, because there's been lots of rumors, like even potentially that they're interested in Giroux. That was my next offer. Ah, sorry, <laughs> I'm ruining your game. Oh, no, it's and fine. And Halak has a no-move clause attached to his contract. So I don't know how that would work, honestly. Hey, do you want to leave wa- the Vancouver Canucks? Yes, I would like to leave the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> uh, I would go one for one with Kadri uh, and Miller. Does that Interesting. sound bizarre? Uh, a little. But I, I get it. Kadri's 31. You don't want to sign him for a ton of money. He's kind of in that Zach Hyman position where even though he's having an awesome year right now, uh, you don't want to sign him to that long-term deal. But uh, maybe a team... I mean, if you put him with Patterson and... I don't know. But see, Vancouver wouldn't do that. 
because Vancouver can just sign him in the offseason for free, right? Yeah. Um, Colorado, like, you're going for it this year. In the in the 12 games that McKinnon has missed so far, Kadri has 25 points. Unreal. He is over two points a game in games that McKinnon isn't there. Yeah, I think it's... It, what about... Okay, just to stay on Colorado for a sec. We're, so there are our general... Just Okay, let's wrap this one up quick. Higher or lower? You guys think it's going to be something lower than Burakowski for a JT Miller trade to happen. I would think, think the values there, but I, I would say, I would say no, I would say higher personally. If I was Sackick, I would want more for Burakowski. Okay. So next one, uh, you're still the Colorado, uh, avalanche here, Philadelphia Flyers. Claude Giroux wants a trade. He makes eight point two seven five, but just for the rest of this year. Um, if you can get, maybe you throw in a second, and Philly retains half his salary. Um, what about throwing them somebody like? Does JT Comfer make sense? I don't see them wanting to get rid of Confer. Confer is kind of like their utility player and where he can move anywhere up into the lineup and do anything they want, kind of like Kerfoot to us. Um, I think Philly would want to take a deal with a def- defender because that's why my really second struggling. option was Eric Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I'll make a counter. Okay. What's that? So you're Fletcher of Philly. I'm Sackick of Colorado. I want Giroux. I'll trade you. You have to retain 50% of his salary. And I'll trade you Samuel Gerard straight up. Oh, man. You read my mind, Bean. Gerard, Gerard signed for another six years. At five at million. At five million. I don't know. I mean... You've got Long, Kale McCarr and Devon Taves. And Bowen Byron. And Bowen Byram. I think you... Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't hate that. I think that's a good one. Uh, that's five mil one way. You save a couple mil. Hopefully you can maybe re-sign one of Burakowski or Kadri or Nachushkin. Like, Because they're going to free yeah. up some money if they're going to do that. Yeah. So your the my thoughts on your offer with Eric Johnson... Yes, he's 33. Yes, he makes $6 million a year, but he is such a difference maker on that back end because of how he plays, the style he plays that frees up the rest of the D to basically do what they can do, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I'm going to um, kind of wrap that at higher and say Sam Gerrard. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, then it's I know it's kind of I came up with this idea, but I didn't know it would be this hard to come up with whether it's higher or lower. <laughs> We're just reworking these trades to make them realistic, which I think is interesting too. Uh, yeah. So if we send out Sam Gerard um, and you get back, uh, hopefully, you know what? I think with the contract that Gerard's on, you wouldn't have to ask for anything else to get Philly to retain 50% there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think so. No. 
Yeah, he's the more expensive option between Devin Taves and Gerard. Uh, he's 900k more, and he plays both sides, left and right D. So he can be super valuable. He has power play experience. He's currently helping out on PP1 while McKinnon's out. And if you want to get rid of the captain of the of the Flyers, it's going to cost. So I think that's an excellent trade if uh, Philly retains half salary and then one for one Gerard and Drew. Yeah, it's fair because, I mean, Eric Johnson's the only one that has a no-move clause on their defense. So Sam Gerard's free to go. I think that's mm-hmm. a good one. Uh, next up, you are the Vegas Golden Knights. Ooh. I promise we'll get to the Leafs. <laughs> but the Vegas Golden Knights currently have projected cap space of zero. So <laughs> they're in a bit of a pickle as they've got uh, Jack Eichel, Alec Martinez, and Jake Bischoff, uh, if, which totals $16 million, by the way, on LTIR. Uh, so they got to do something to make this work. If they're going to go on a playoff run here, they got these guys coming back. I'm pretty sure Alec Martinez is 100% fine, and they're just stashing him to remain under the cap, like I'm doing with my fantasy team as well, so I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you've got Stone, Pacioretty, Carlson, Marcheseau, and Dadanov, and Petrangelo, all with no move clauses. So that's a lot of your money locked up. The next highest contract that is not a no move next two of them are Shea Theodore and Riley Smith. Riley Smith, whose contract is up at the end of this year, and Shea Theodore, who is signed until uh, 2025 at 5.2. So that is about $10 million uh, there that will hopefully help in getting you back under the, uh, the salary cap here. So you would like to send them over to... Oh, did every am I okay? Can you guys still hear me? Yep. Yep, you're I, good. I thought my cable fell out there. So you're going to send them to somebody that uh, A, has the space, and B, is, needs to bolster up, and that's the Anaheim Ducks. Okay. Who have $11 million in cap space right now. So they can take on these contracts, and they're looking for some pieces. And I think they'd be interested in a defenseman like a um, Shea Theodore, and uh, maybe uh, somebody with the leadership and offensive prowess as a winger like Riley Smith. So, on Anaheim, you are going to send back, and here it is, because Vegas can't take on any money. Uh, Jamie Drysdale. Hmm, interesting. It's not enough for I me. Say no. no. I'd uh, reject that all day. If, yeah, as who? If, if, as Vegas. As, yes, as the Vegas, Vegas Golden Knights. But look at it this way. You're getting Jamie Drysdale, and you're also getting the ability to bring Jack Eichel and Alec Martinez off of IR because they cannot do that in their current situation. Like that, that is the asterisk to this whole situation is that they're, they have to clear this cap space by the deadline or they're fucked i would counter and say dadanov who i know he has a no trade clause but it's only limited to 10 teams and if the ducks weren't on there i would definitely move him over riley smith yeah 10 Um, teams is uh, canada arizona and buffalo yeah (laughs) that's like the uh 
that's the the yeah. diner special is the the 10 team diner special yeah and drysdale obviously he's he was a great prospect coming up he's doing well so far and I don't know. They can use a guy like Dadanoff on the team, another leader. Uh, I know they have Fowler, Shattenkirk, except Getzlav, but I would counter with Dadanoff. That's just me, though. I didn't want to lose Smith for that. (laughs) But you're right. Jack Eichel's coming off IR. Dadanoff signed for another two years at $5 million, and he's got the no move. He's 32. He's a little uh, older than Riley Smith. But like mm-hmm. Smith's up at the end of this year, you're not going to be able to re-sign him. He's going to walk. So it's do you move him now and get a prospect in return and be able to bring Jack Eichel off of IR with Alec Martinez? So you're basically getting all of that in return for offloading Riley Smith, five million dollars, and Shea Theodore, who's on a really nice contract at five point two for a couple of years. <sighs> I think it's hey, as, I, I think it's a good deal. As much as I like Drysdale, and five years from now, Drysdale is going to be incredible. There is, I, I can't see any, any trade scenario at all where Vegas moves on from Shea Theodore. Yeah, they're he's the number one guy on PP one. Yeah, uh, Patan, Patangio has PP two. Uh, no, I can't see them moving on whatsoever. And like you said, being in five years for Drysdale, but I don't know. It's too much. The the Knights don't have five years. I think if there is a scenario you try to maybe package Smith and Carlson. Interesting. Um, I would move Carlson. If you think, yeah, not that there's anything wrong with them, but if you think about it, with Eichel coming back, you don't need him. Eichel's going to be, yeah, Eichel's going to be basically your number one center. You mm-hmm. have Stevenson, who's been playing great. So there's yeah. your number two. You don't need a Carlson Stevenson battling for two and three center. Like, okay, yes, it'd be awesome if you could get it. But r- realistically, I could see them maybe being successful in moving someone like Smith and then just calling up Breezeball in Tampa and seeing how they got around the cap with Kutra. <laughs> fair enough they don't they don't have to move it by the deadline they just have to be cap compliant until the start of the playoffs okay so again i'm lowballing you guys you want more you want to go higher i'll take it uh so next next team that is uh the seller you are the new york islanders that have two million dollars <laughs> in cap space and you are just don't imagine you're lou lamorello or maybe do it for, for role play oh, purposes <laughs> but You've got two million bucks in cap space, and your team is not working out. Um, Cal Clutterbuck, your beloved third line captain, uh, is uh, expiring at the end of this year. You're paying basically like five million dollars to your entire team, top to bottom. Like it doesn't work. They are too thinly spread out. So, um, I think. As Lou Lamorello, I'm going to try to offload Brock Nelson and um, JG Pajot. That's 11 mil. You know who nice. wants 11 mil? Or has 11 mil to spend? The Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim. Again, 
Ooh. So, um, Anaheim. Again, I'm going to say it. Jamie Drysdale, because they need prospects in, in the island because they got shit all. And you're also going to send... Um, Maxime Comtois. Interesting. Drysdale and Comtois for Pajot and Nelson? Yep. If I'm Lamorello, I take that all day, every day. I don't think Lou would take it. I think he loves Nelson and Pajot. Those are like his two top boys besides Barzell. I don't know. I feel like he'll have a hard time letting go from that. But as a G- armchair GM, I would want more <laughs> for Jack Pajot and and uh, Nelson. I don't know. I, I would look at it like, yes, Pajot somewhat worked out when we acquired him for what we needed. But with the age of the entire roster basically being over 25 um and with how the team is playing they they need they need a shake up they need it badly and they don't have the gap space they need some young guys and anheim needs i mean not some age because they've got Enrique and silverberg and uh and getzlav but a lot of their talent is coming from you know troy terry and trevor zegris and like these young kids they need a bit of that middle ground, like late 20s guys that have the experience but still have that the step. So I think Pajot yep. and Nelson are, are great uses for them. You know, maybe kind of bump Getzlav and Silverberg down into more of support roles instead of asking the same minutes of them that you did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then on, a, on the Islanders roster, that would give me more of a chance to give Oliver Wallstrom more ice time. So we got one higher, one lower. I like it. Interesting when looking at this uh, cap friendly for for the Ducks. The highest paid player is Cam Fowler at six point five. I know. Doesn't I'm it make you shocked. cringe as a Leafs fan? They're still paying <laughs> Ryan Kessler though for six point eight seven five on his IR status. But wow, yeah. Hey, on it. Highest paid person on on. Uh, the Canadians, I mean, Price and Weber aren't playing. So uh, Brennan Gallagher is also 6.5. Wow. I cringe more looking at the Islanders roster. <laughs> I know. Seven max. And oh, their goalie situation right now is just not good but the team hasn't been scoring so there's no support and i agree that the islanders need a fresh they need something fresh to the team fresh faces i just can't see lou letting go because he's so old school but you never know they have to do something though so drysdale's like uh lou would be having flashbacks in niedermeyer <laughs> with someone like drysdale right so that i i can definitely see see that working between Drysdale and, gonna, and Dobson for PP one, yeah, yeah. You already have your your Pelican Pollock um, first pair, and then as soon as Drysdale's got a couple more years under his belt, he would be able to jump up there. And yeah, especially if a guy like okay. 
Scott Mayfield comes to the leaves, they got to put a hole, plug the hole somewhere, but I'm going ahead of myself. So next, <clears throat> you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's time. <laughs> Jeff Petrie wants out of Montreal. And uh, this is a little complicated because Jeff Petrie makes uh, mm. $6.25 million. Want, want. And the Canadians, despite all of their LTIR space of $12 million used, uh, they have no cap space. So in order to take that $6 million, they're not retaining anything because they can't really. Um, unless they retain 50% and uh, it becomes 3.125. And you send back... Uh, and hear me out on this. You give them. <laughs> Convince us. Okay. <laughs> He's prefacing it already. Yeah. Okay, hear me out. Um, Nick Ritchie. Rodion Amirov. And because you need a bit more money here. Uh. Fuck. <laughs> I need to pick one more here and I can't pick one more person. Uh you know what? Let's flip this. Give him Peter Morazic. Okay. Interesting. That's a good chunk. Because they don't know if they're gonna have a goalie or not. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at this as a a perspective of the Leafs. I mean, that's a little too easy, I guess. I would do that in a heartbeat. There's no reason I the Habs. There's no reason the Habs would do that. I, I wouldn't do it on the side of the Leafs. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't. Okay, then let's let's do this. Then Peter Morazic for Jeff Petrie at, uh, retained, let's say sixty percent or whatever three point eight works out to, so that it matches. Hmm. We pull and up Nary- Joseph Wall. Okay. <sighs> no, I'm I'm still not doing it. Not for I know that the team has been a dumpster fire this year, but for a 34 year old defenseman who yeah. has logged some heavy minutes, and especially this year, who's had his his confidence broken and his joy for the game probably just sucked right out of him. I'm not going to give up. uh, Not that Mrazic is an all-star or anything like that, but my basic, my insurance policy for the playoffs, if something happened to Campbell, not for Petrie. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And we know Muzzin has his annual, injury during the playoffs and we're looking for a a partner for him so on paper petrie looks great but bean's right mrazik's the insurance policy and there's other options i don't know i just i'm not convinced simply because petrie is signed until uh 24 25 and it's tough I was expecting you to say a guy like Ben Sherratt over Petrie, but maybe a Petrie's one the topic for one. Of the day, so I switched it. Mm-hmm. 
and 34, 32 years old with Muzzin. Man, I don't know if he's lost it yet or not. <laughs> yeah, definitely with the contract Petrie has left, I definitely hard no. Yeah, I would go with no as well. Okay, so next up, you are still the Leafs. The New Jersey Devils are calling and they're offering you Damon Severson, who <laughs> has two years at $4.166 million. So we got to give them basically like $4.2 million. And that 4.2 is going to come in the form of <clears throat> Clear's throat to prepare for this. <laughs> um, I hate this so much. <laughs> Do you know how hard this is, man? Um, because like when you look at the numbers, there's only a few names that work, and it's the the ones that I hate to say, but mm-hmm. uh, Alex Kerfoot. Hmm. With <sighs> yeah, like Alex Kerfoot makes three and a half million dollars. He's the only one in that range, unless you're looking at trading. Uh, like a collection of Pierre Engvall, Nick Ritchie, and like Comforkasha. Mm-hmm. Or okay. like, I mean, they're not going to trade Simmons or Spezza. They're not going to trade Bunting. Maybe it's Engvall at, with Nick Ritchie. Like. I'll counter you. Okay. I will trade the Devils, Justin Hall, and Rodion Amirov. Yeah. For Severson, but we're going to broker the deal through Arizona. So the Devils <laughs> are going to retain 25%. Yeah. And Arizona is going to retain 50% of the remaining. And in doing that, they are going to get our first round pick this year. Done. Do it. Done. <laughs> Honestly, no, I know. I don't, I don't hate that at all. Like, because you're like, whoever we bring in in this trade is replacing Justin Hall. That's pretty much what we've established. Because mm-hmm. Sandy and Lily are there. Muzzin and Riley and Brody are there. So, mm-hmm. I I like it. See if this were the Anaheim Ducks with the Josh Manson for the same price as Severson at four point one, I'd be a little bit more in because after watching tonight's play and analyzing him through fantasy for the last month or so, I don't think the Leafs want a guy like. Severson um he's too offensive minded I would go for a heavier player with Manson and fill those holes that the Leafs need on the heavier side of things and pair up perfectly with Muzzin and then Muzzin can take the the lead on the play sort of deal but (sighs) I the only reason I like Severson more is because he's the same price per year and he's signed for another year the mm-hmm. problem with both Klingberg and Manson is they're free agents at the end of this year. Yes, and 
Manson's a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. Not by much, but a little bit. Because Severson's 27, Manson's 30. And the only other thing is, I don't think Anaheim's going to be a seller. Look at the Pacific mm-hmm. Division. They're second in the division. Yeah, the thing with the Pacific Division is if the Leafs were in it, they would be in first place. Basically, if anybody was in it, they would be in first place. Like, they, the first, if it was in first place, the Golden Knights would not 55 be, points. would not be in a wild card spot in any other division, and they were leading that division. So, I mean, sure, but Asterix. Yeah, but if you look at it, if you have a chance, if you're going to make the playoffs, you're not going to unload someone. That's fair. You might not go out and trade for someone because you don't think you have a realistic chance, but you're definitely not going to move anybody that's going to help you. Yeah, I just I hate the idea of this half season rental thing and just the bad luck the Leafs have had with it, and that if something crazy happens, they can still run it back another year. Um, ben Sherrod is also up at the end of this year, so the only one like that's the only reason that I keep coming back to Severson, regardless of what I said earlier about how he played during the game. Um, the other one that I think would be interesting to look at and I don't think has been brought up is Travis Sandheim Sandheim sorry in mm, Philadelphia out of the Flyers because Philly is also just in an absolute dumpster fire they lost what was it 10 games in a row um, Travis Sandheim is signed for the next two years at 4.675 and he's 25 years old so he's about at the same price range about 500 gram more but he's the youngest of all of them and he's signed for two years so I think like if we're looking at that price, that doing the three-way trade for the first round pick and Justin Hall, I think that's one that I would be really interested in going after. Um, he is a left defender. That's the only reason that like I'm kind of eh versus Severson, but the, I, th- I, I would put those two at the top of my list. Yeah, they're hurting as well with Ryan Ellis on IR, and that's a trade they made in the offseason to really fill that hole on the decor. So I don't know how I feel about Sanheim. I know great things were talked about him in the past, but it's just unfortunate he's on a team like the Flyers, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, just to quickly jump to the Blackhawks for a sec, Calvin DeHaan, again, same price range, but he's 30 He's only signed for this year, so that's an X for me. But Connor Murphy, I just don't see Chicago moving him because they just re-signed him until the end of 26. Mm-hmm. But as much as I'd like to see that, he'd, you know, he's in, he's a better price. But yeah, I don't see them moving him because of, he just signed. So No, I agree. If, if Dubas could sneak out something like Severson and somehow broker a deal through Arizona, that, that would be huge because... Even still, he's at 4.1 a year, which isn't horrible, especially no. for a, a young defender. But if you can get that drop down for the next, like for this year and next year at two, three million somehow with retained salary. And like we all know, Dubas is going to come out of left field with someone that no one's talking about, anyways, because he tends to seem to do that. Like, look oh, yeah, back, he's going to find don't... somebody that makes $750,000 and makes a huge impact on this team. Like, he's going to have to move nobody to do it. From the suit. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> from the suit. I don't remember even hearing that they were interested in Jake Muzzin before the Muzzin trade. That's true, actually. That just kind of just all of, a, all of a sudden we traded for Muzzin. Like, he, he has a habit of kind of doing little things like that. 
it's just so hard to make the money work, especially with Campbell's contract up and Mikheyev up and Kasha and Engvall. Like, you can get away with, you know, between a million and two million on a couple of these guys, but Mikheyev's going to want to, you know, maybe two and a half, three. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, like this team's going to be really like we we say this every season, but they're going to be cap strapped. Like Sandine and Lily are both up too. Like they're screwed, man. <laughs> I don't like this. Uh, just closing remark here uh, because we are at our time. Given this situation, who do we think is going to um, be our William Nylander? Or sorry, not William. I'm reading his name right now. Our Zach Hyman at the end of this year. Uh, who are we just going to lose to free agency? Uh, is it going to be? Mikheyev, Kasha, Engvall. Um, I'm just going to say them. It's probably going to be... Yeah, it's going to be Mikheyev. Yeah, you think he's just going to walk? Probably. I think you guys are right. Mm-hmm. Just because, uh, I mean, like I said, Kasha, you can probably get somewhere in comps numbers about the one and a half million. Engvall, probably the same. Uh, but yeah, Mikheyev, he wants more minutes. He wants more ice time. He's, he wants more money. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that, we'll sign off for the night. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to our extremely long winded uh, discussion about trades. But <laughs> I mean, realistically, a lot of these could happen, not maybe the way that we explain them, but Hey, I don't think we were that far off. These are all people that are potentially on the move in the next month. So stay tuned between now and March 21st when we uh, find out how right or wrong we were. Sounds good. Let's see if, do you guys have anything you want to close with while I see if my outro works? <laughs> this this yeah. day in 1920, Quebec Bulldogs center Phantom Joe Malone sets the NHL record for goals in a game with seven in a 10-6 win over the Toronto St. Pat's. Toronto St. Pat's lost 10 to 6. <laughs> and with that, we'll sign off. 1920. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Comeback season. <laughs>